Hey, good morning, good morning. Uh, as Chris said, I do apologize ahead of time. I have a little bit of a neck thing going on, so if I don't pay much attention to you guys on this side, it's not personal. I got a little thing going on back here. Woke up this morning. I'm pretty sure my wife hit me while I was sleeping, uh, so something along those lines. But I want to tell you guys a story this morning. Uh, my buddy Mike was turning 16 years old. Uh, he was hitting that big, sweet 16 milestone. He was the first one of our little group to do it, and so we were all happy for him. His parents, in honor of his sweet 16, wanted to throw a big celebration, so they decided they were going to do a really big overnight party, invite all of his guy friends. So we all showed up, and we had about every sugary snack you could think of. We played tons of video games. Uh, they even had a hot tub for us to hang out in, so it was a really fun time. And I remember pretty clearly, as Mike was drying off from the hot tub, he looked at me, and he said, hey man, you know what we should do? Now, I knew any time Mike ever asked me what we should do, that shortly after that, at some point in time in the night, we were going to get yelled at for something. And uh, I wasn't wrong on this particular instance either. Uh, but I, I bit, and I said, what, what are you thinking, man? And he goes, dude, I've got 25 bottle rockets in my room right now. We can make tonight really memorable. Mike wasn't wrong about making the night memorable. In fact, uh, later on in the night when everybody else was uh, relaxing, playing video games, hanging out, we snuck out of the back door and went about five or six blocks away, and we decided we'd have a contest to see who could shoot the bottle rockets into the open windows better. And so we started firing these bottle rockets into as many open bedroom windows as we could find. And to be honest, we were both pretty good shots at it. Uh, so after we had unloaded our arsenal of bottle rockets, we ran back to Mike's house and we tried sneaking in the back door where we were greeted by his mom, who no longer seemed to be in quite the festive spirit. I don't know if it had to do with the loud banging noises she kept hearing only five blocks away, but yeah, she greeted us and no sooner did she get the words, where have you been, out of her mouth, that we heard the doorbell ring. You ever get that sinking feeling when you look in the driveway and there's a car with red and blue flashing lights sitting out there? Yeah. Uh, the police officer uh, had told Mike's mom that he got a phone call from a neighbor about two teenagers running around shooting off fireworks in the neighborhood. Mike's mom calmly said that she knew nothing about it, which was technically true because she didn't have time to interrogate us before he arrived. Uh, eventually, the police officer left, and she turned and looked at us with uh, that unjoyful look we knew she had, and we just confessed everything. Hey, we are so sorry. We didn't realize that shooting bottle rockets into people's bedroom windows would have caused such a big deal, right? <laughs> we weren't the most intelligent of teenagers at the time, obviously. Uh, but much to our surprise, Mike's mom, even though she was mad at us, told us she was going to let us off the hook because it was Mike's 16th birthday. She was even going to keep it from my parents. I couldn't believe it. I had just gotten away with it. It was amazing. Mike had the coolest mom in the world that night. Yeah. Woke up the next morning to Mike's mom standing over me holding a phone saying, your parents are on the other line. I was really hoping that maybe she didn't mention the bottle rockets or maybe she didn't mention the sneaking out and I was praying she didn't mention the police officer. I got on the phone, and I didn't even get through saying hi, guys, before I heard my dad on the other line say, what were you thinking? 
Why would you do something like that? You don't do things like that. Do I do things like that? You're a Howard. You should know better than those things. You don't behave in that way. You represent us. In fact, you're grounded. Go home. Give the phone back to Mike's mom now. It's for you. (laughs) So before I could even say two words, he had lectured me, grounded me, and sent me on my way. So all I could do was give the phone back to the formerly coolest mom in the world and go pack up my stuff. We've all kind of had experiences like that with mom and dad before, right? We've done something we knew we weren't supposed to do, and they've given us a long lecture letting us know, hey, you don't behave like that in that, this family. Those aren't things that you do. That's not part of who we are. We all have these expectations. We have these benefits. We have these, these ideas that come with being part of our family. If you grew up in my family, you rooted for the Cincinnati Reds, and you loved Kentucky Fried Chicken. It was just a part of who we were. Uh, you also knew that anytime you went on a family vacation, you used the bathroom before we left. Because the next time we were going to stop, the tank was going to be at E, and Dad got really good miles to the gallon. These are things you just naturally learn from being a part of the family. We have these little quirks, these little things that make our family special, these things that make us unique. So this morning, the question is, what makes our spiritual family unique? If you have your Bible or Bible app, go ahead and open it up this morning uh, to 1 John chapter 3. You can also follow along on the outline on the outline provided on the North Point app and even uh, put in some of the fill-in-the-blanks there. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, go ahead, click, get it on. Uh, we'll be ready to go. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. I love how excited John is here to share this news. John is so pumped that we get to be called the children of God. He wants everybody reading his letter to know that this is a big deal. You can even see uh, John didn't put just one exclamation mark on this verse. He put two because he's so excited that we get to be the children of God. Of God. In fact, he describes it as God lavishing his love on us. And what John's talking about here is Jesus. He wrote in another one of his books, most of us know the verse, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but will have everlasting life, right? God lavishing his love on us is God sending Jesus to take our penalty, to take our place, to die our death, to take our sin, and then to defeat death by rising again three days later. Jesus taking our place is what makes us children of God. And what John is pointing out is that as Christians, as Christ followers, we have been adopted into the family of God. We've been adopted into the family of God. See, adoption back in John's time was just as common and just as known as it is today. One of the major differences between the first century and today was that instead of being a child adopted, most of the time it was an adult. So, for instance, if there was an older gentleman whose natural children had died before him, he may adopt an adult man to come in and be his heir. And that man would take care of him in his old age watch over him, make sure he was okay. And that man would come and he would be a legal member 
of a new family. He would have the rank, he would have the family name, and he would even be part of the inheritance. That person had all the benefits, the advantages, and the responsibility involved with being a part of the family that he was adopted into. John wants to get across to those reading his letter that as Christians, we no longer belong to anything or anyone else other than God. We've become full-fledged members of the family of God. We have become children of God. We have been adopted into the family of God. See, I've gotten to hear a lot of really cool family stories here at North Point. And what I'd like to do this morning is uh, have my friend Kerry come up here and share with you kind of a unique story of what makes his family special. So if you'll give him a round of applause for me. Hey, buddy. Hey, Kerry. Hey, we got some pictures of your family up on the screen. Will you uh, go ahead and introduce us? Yes, I, I'm actually going to introduce first service. They weren't here, but yep. second service, I can actually point them there out. There it is. And because, um, first of all, my wife, Mandy, she is a music teacher over at Alti. And then next to her is Caleb. Um, he's from Jackson, Michigan, and he was adopted as a newborn. And then Andre um, was adopted from Romania when he was three years old, and he just turned 20 this past week. Very cool. Very cool. So will you give us just a little bit more of the, the background story behind your family then? Yes. Um, uh, I'm a teacher at Pawamo, Westphalia. I've been there for 33 years this fall, which is, seems like I just blinked my eyes and I started. Well, um, we had been married, Mandy and I, for about five years. And we were interested in having children. Uh, the only thing is it wasn't happening. So we went to Mandy's father, who's a urologist, and went through all the testing and went through all the, the what, what needs to be done. And, and they said, well, I think we're going to have to, you're going to have to make an investment, and we're going to have to go through these different, uh, different procedures. And, and so we said, well, you know what, if we're going to have children, it's, it's, it's going to be a God thing. It's going to have to either happen miraculously or something. If God wants us to have children, he's going to have to provide. Well... It wasn't much longer that uh, we got notified that there was a, a, a two-year-old in an orphanage in Romania with a bad heart, and he was coming over for surgery. Would you be interested in adopting? And uh, we thought, well, we'll pray about it. Well, um, we felt God telling us yes. And uh, there was only one issue, though, is when you adopt, usually go to an agency and say, we'd like to adopt, and they select the child for you. Tell them what, what you would like. But with Andre's situation, we said, we want this specific child on, in this part of the world, in this orphanage, which is kind of backwards. So God had to make some, some big, uh, uh, just get things involved. Uh, get an agency. We had to find an agency that would even just do this. And so it was a pretty complicated uh, process. And uh, it took about 10 months, about the time it takes. And uh, we eventually got, took him out of the orphanage and brought him onto a 40-acre farm in Ovid, Michigan, and uh, taken a, 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 a two-year-old um, from an, uh, an orphanage that had just ha had, had a couple of rooms to a 40-acre farm and said, have at it. Um, it was it was it was fun to watch him. I had coached football for 16 years, and and I had a hard time coaching after that. I felt like God was calling me to be a father, 
Sure, very cool. So then uh, my question is, uh, once the boys have been adopted into your family, what does it take for them to be a Bayshore? Oh, well, first of all, to, to become a Bayshore, it's a long process with the adoption. I still remember the day Mandy and I drove um, Andre over to Port Huron, and he was declared a U.S. citizen, and he was declared a Bayshore, and, uh, which is kind of cool because in our community in Ovid, um, my family has lived there for for decades and decades. So, so, um, so yeah, it was kind of neat to, to say, hey, Andre, you're, you're part of the family. You are a Bayshore. And with Andre, you know, he came into a family that just loved on him. Aunts and uncles and, and cousins and grandpas and grandmas. And, and uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a ride. Yeah, so you mentioned his family. So then let me ask, what are some of the, the benefits that your boys get from being a part of the family? Um, first of all, they get love. They get love down. We had just had a, a birthday party yesterday for Andre because he had just turned 20. And uh, um, so family and friends were there, and um, he just gets lavished with love. And that's, that's one of the things that's hard for all of us, I think, to understand is when we're adopted into the, into the family of God, we're loved on. And God loves us, and it's hard, it's hard to realize. And then some of the struggles we've had is we don't deserve this love. things that that as as we've raised him we've started to try to understand man what does it mean to we're adopted what does that mean for us and so yeah for for andre he came into a, a family situation of a very well established family and he said this is yours this farm someday will be yours very cool uh, so then uh, if he's got benefits what do uh, your boys have as far as responsibilities Ooh, to be a bayshore yeah. well there's, there's responsibilities that go along, especially Andre came out um, to my school, to Palamo, Australia, and he was my student in my classroom. And so there was a lot of, I don't know where you say pressure, you know, you're Mr. Bayshore's son. <laughs> and like any young, precocious young man, he got into some troubles and issues, and I pull him aside and go, this is not what Bayshores are about. This is not, this is not who we are. This is who we are. This is your responsibilities. And so, so with that, you know, came the... Cool. Well, thank you very much, Gary. I appreciate you telling us your story. Right, Give him a round of applause you. for us. John emphasizes in this text that it's a big deal to be adopted in the family of God, that we are children of God. We're no longer tied to or owned by anything or anyone else, but it's the love that God has lavished onto us that makes us so that we are now his kids. And being children of God, carrying his name, being tied into his family has some really awesome benefits that come with it. Uh, check out verse 2 here, First John 3, verse 2. It says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. John is talking here in verse 2 about the hope that all Christ followers have that one day we will get the inheritance that comes with being adopted into the family of God. See, as children of God, we have an inheritance. As children of God, we have an inheritance. You see, we have this hope 
that when we're done with this, when we're done with this world, whether we leave or Christ returns first, that we will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Revelation 21, verses 4 through 7, talking about God the Father, says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God said, take note of what I just told you. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. See, one of the benefits of being a child of God is that we get eternity with him, without the pain, without the suffering, without the tears, without the disease, without the sin, we are made new. See, and that's a hope that only we get as children of God. I love the saying that your worst day with God is better than your best day without. You can find that on a Pinterest post probably everywhere. But your worst day with God is better than your best day without him. When this verse says that we shall be as he is, it's saying that as children of God, we will be as close to God without being God. When I was studying this passage, uh, I liked how John MacArthur wrote it this way. He said, the glorious nature of that conformity defies description. But as much as glorified humanity can be like incarnate deity, believers will be without becoming deity. In other words, I can't tell you how amazing and beautiful and glorious our inheritance will be as children of God. It's like getting as close to God without actually becoming God. We don't have to carry burdens of shame. We don't have to carry burdens of pain or burdens of sin anymore. We get the full honor and blessings of being a part of the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, everlasting God of the universe. That's our dad. And he's adopted us into his family so that we can share in those blessings and those benefits as his children. See, that's an amazing benefit of being a child of God. But you don't have to wait until you leave this world to get benefits from being a child of God. John 14, 26, Jesus said this, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. See, as children of God, we have the luxury of having the Spirit of God moving and living inside of us. When Jesus left this earth, he told his followers not to worry, not to be distressed, but to get ready, to prepare, because he was sending the Spirit of God to guide them. As adopted children into the family of God, that same Spirit is alive and living inside of us today. The Spirit of God works to encourage us, to rebuke us, to guide us, and to teach us. We have a better understanding of the Word of God because the Spirit of God teaches us and shows us how it applies to our daily lives. It's kind of like having that little Jiminy Cricket sitting on your shoulder at times. That little voice that tells us to be honest 
when we're filing those taxes or to maybe relax when that person cuts us off on 127, even though they have a Michigan sticker on the back of their car. So it's just to relax a little bit. It's also that same spirit of God who tells us that we need to talk to and encourage and maybe even pray with that coworker or that friend who we know is dealing with that personal struggle. See, it's a huge benefit to have the spirit of God that he tells us that no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, that if we cling to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to care for us, and to see us through all things. It's a huge benefit that the rest of the world doesn't have, but that we get because we're children of God. See, being a part of the family of God, having his name attached to us has enormous benefits. Not only do we have an inheritance of the kingdom of God and that we get to share in his glory, but today we have his spirit alive, moving inside of us, working in us, helping us grow in him and to love on others. But not only are there benefits to being a child of God, but there are also responsibilities. Verse 3 tells us this. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. I told you before at my buddy Mike's birthday party that when I got on the phone with my dad, he was pretty upset at our little fireworks escapade. He wanted to know that I had I'd embarrassed them, that it was humiliating to have to have another parent call him up and talk about the stupid things his son had done. He wanted me to know that, hey, you act as a representation of our family. The things that you do are a reflection of me. When you make these mistakes, when you make these poor choices, when you act foolish like that, people see you and they think, man, that's Gary's son. He's part of the Howard family. It carries a representation of my parents and of my family, but the things that I do. And when he told me those things, man, it hit me right in the middle of my face. I wasn't just accountable to myself, but I carried the weight of who my family was as well. See, as children of God, we have responsibilities. As children of God, we have responsibilities. As a child of God, you and I carry the family name. When people see us make a shady business deal or lose our temper at a sporting event or ignore people who need help, they see that as a representation of our family name. They see that as a reflection of our spiritual family. They see that as a reflection of us being a child of God. John says in verse 3, to purify yourself just as he is pure. In other words, if you're going to carry the family name, if the things that you do from here on out represent Christ, then carry it well. Show people how a child of God should act. Display the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and my personal favorite, self-control. It's an awesome responsibility to be a child of God. People are watching to see if you and I actually believe the things that we proclaim or if we're just faking it. They're wanting to see are the things that we talk about, do we do it just to look good or does it actually change the way we walk about our daily lives. The great part is if we take seriously the responsibility of being a child of God, if we act like 
and walk and talk like our fathers showed us, then people are going to want what you and I have. People will want to join the family. They will see that we have a good father who takes care of us. They'll see that fruit of the spirit and they'll wonder, how can I get that in my life? See, it's good to be a child of God. And when we embrace that responsibility of carrying the name of Christ in our lives, we can show people how they can be a part of the family too. So then what does being a child of God mean for you? It means two things. First, you get to reap the benefits. As children of God, we have the benefits of a hope and a future. We have the benefits of a hope and a future. We get an inheritance from our Heavenly Father where we can spend eternity with Him in a glorified body. We get to become like Him without becoming God. There's no more pain. There's no more death. There's no more sorrow. There's no more suffering. There's no more shame. There's no more tears. Instead, we get the joy of spending eternity with the king of the universe. That's pretty solid stuff. We all have the Holy Spirit of God guiding us now, teaching us, correcting us, and comforting us as we walk through this life. That means that you're never alone through any valley or mountaintop experience, but rather you have God helping you all the way through everything. See, there's such a peace in knowing that you and I are never ever alone because we have been adopted into the family of God. We also have this awesome responsibility that comes with the luxury of being a child of God. We have the responsibility to live up to the family name. We have responsibility to live up to the family name. We should be just as excited as John was about being a child of God. There should be exclamation points in our voice when we talk about being adopted into God's family and that we now bear his name. We need to let people know that as Christ followers, that we now belong to God and that he's changed our lives. We need to tell people that they can be a part of the family as well. We also need to live our lives in such a way and in such a manner that when people see us, they see a clear, honest, and true representation of who our dad is. If we belong to God's family and if we've taken his name, then we have a responsibility to live up to that family name. This means that we have to be more patient. We have to be more kind, more giving, more compassionate. We have to stand for truth and justice to help those in need and to live our lives to a heavenly standard. See, the bottom line is simple. As Christ followers, we've been adopted into the family of God. We share the blessings of being a family member, and we have the responsibility of living up to God's name. See, as the band comes out to play, the question is this. How will you share the family with others? See, if we do those things, if we get to work this week and we decide, hey, you know what, I'm going to live up to my spiritual family name. I'm going to let people know that I have been adopted into the family of God. And people are going to take notice. They're going to begin to want what you and I have. They'll see that we could care less about temporary things, that it's not about money, that it's not about the toys, it's not about the prestige, but rather it's about the relationships that we have inside of our spiritual family. It's about the inheritance that we get as being a child 
of a king. We become more like our father, which is good because if we're honest, our jobs, our families, our relationships probably could use some more God in them anyway. So the question is, how are you going to share the family with others? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you first and foremost that you, that you are our Father and that you're a good Father, Lord, that you have sent your Son, Jesus, to take our penalty and our place, Father, so that we could be adopted into your family, Lord. And the benefits, Father, that we have a glorious eternity to look forward to with you, Father, and that while we're still here on this earth, God, that you've given us your Spirit to guide us, to correct us, to instruct us, to teach us, Father. And God, that with those benefits comes the amazing responsibility of carrying your name, being your representation, Lord. So God, I pray that we would take this week and we would live our lives, Father, so that it screams out that we are children of the King of the universe. And that we would share with others how they can be adopted into the family just as we have been adopted into your family, Lord. Father, we praise you, we glorify you, and we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.